Hello and welcome to the London Coronavirus Podcast, the original and only independent daily podcast on the coronavirus content market, where we provide a daily dose of positivity, expert advice, anecdotes and plenty more besides. And we will do so until we can see the light in this horrible situation. On the pod today, we had an update from Denmark, perhaps the best coronavirus confession yet and so much more. Today is podcast number 10. Thanks to everyone for listening so far. I've got to say, I am slightly surprised and genuinely humbled at some of the numbers and some of the listeners. So I hope we're helping even in the smallest way. And I genuinely mean that. I was joined as ever by Mr. James Ware. James, double digits, baby. And I feel as though in terms of this podcast and London life, the best is yet to come. Yeah, it's really reminding me of my 10th birthday when you have those two balloons floating (laughs) in the air and we're like, wow, I am twice as valuable as I was for the previous nine years. That's how I'm feeling about the previous nine episodes today. And it's funny, isn't it? This whole experience that we're all going through and working our way through together is bringing up some strange emotions, memories, remembrances, I certainly didn't expect to be recalling my 10th birthday to myself, (laughs) let alone to many people around London, around the country and around the world. But here I am doing it. And as we continue this unexpected journey together, at least we're kind of figuring it out as we all go along, not just on our own. We're here every day on the London Coronavirus Podcast. Enjoy the pod. James, we spent this week talking about how people are kind of coping with the new normal. And I know you mentioned a couple of days back about products advertising a world that doesn't really exist anymore. And I've got to say that my brain is still at least half stuck in that pre-coronavirus world. And I have to drag it every day to the bizarre kind of reality of the present tense. And in fact, my my, my dad rang me this morning Mm. and uh, the the, the first thing he said was, ah, glad glad to have caught you at home, Dave. And it, it took me a second for, for the gag to sink in, right? It took me a second to get the gag. And uh, listen, it's, it's certainly going to take time for it to sink in that this is life now and we're not going back to normal next month. This is indefinite and that is going to take time to sink in. And I don't know if that's sucking for you, James, but for me, it's still I'm still in this kind of weird halfway house. Yeah, I think I have that this morning kind of in the opposite sense, actually, Dave. But I woke <laughs> okay. up... I'd have my breakfast, meditated, and then the first thing I engaged with turning on my phone, the first thing I engaged with from the outside world was opening up Instagram, and there was a live stream from Tyson Fury. And I was like, oh, I'm interested (laughs) to see what Tyson's up to. He's a big man to be staying in, even a big house staying indoors. So I clicked on this live stream, and he was doing a full workout. He was in a plank on his living room (laughs) floor, being yelled at not to sweat on the carpet. And I just have this moment of realising quite how utterly bizarre and uncanny that was, even as something to greet me on my phone. Like, one step removed, that was almost too much. If I'd actually been there, I think they would have been needing to clear me up off the floor. Because it's just like... Yeah, there are parts of this new life that we're all living and trying to feel our ways into this week 
there are parts of it which are pretty demanding and pretty tough and we need to watch out for each other as we're coming to terms with those all in our different ways. But there are parts of it like seeing a world heavyweight champion work out <laughs> live in their living room, which are just actually pretty majestic. And I think I'm going to weirdly miss when we do emerge out the other side, as much as I'll be so grateful for some of the things we get to make a return to as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is crazy. That is one of the biggest stars in world sport, right? Offering a free online <laughs> workout. I mean, it's just this parallel reality. And I think the, the, the subject of online workout experiences has been very, very interesting because mm. I think if people are really honest with themselves, it doesn't quite replicate the, the actual thing, does it? No. I mean, I had quite a, an odd situation where I was doing... Uh, like a, a workout and like a boxing workout, James, yeah? So the trainer and my man Freddie like, stood right up to the camera and held his hands up as if you were punching his hands. But because there was a delay in the in the because uh, there was a delay in the video it was almost as if every time he was moving i was hitting him in the face because it was a weird <laughs> delay so actually we were completely out of sync and i wasn't ducking and diving instead we were just punching each other in the face with this delay so yeah there's uh, the online exercise workout honestly i applaud the creativity the purpose the energy the ingenuity but i think we could all admit on some level if and when the world does go back to some kind of normal james it ain't quite the real thing, is it? No, I don't think the gyms are going to close permanently. Let's put it no. that way. And the same quite music, isn't there, about the way that the technology... Look, we have decent live streaming, but it's not like people have really dedicated much time to adapting that to workouts. And so I'm finding <laughs> it quite amusing watching these trainers who normally are at the absolute top of their game. They're in state-of-the-art London studios with their sound systems and their lights. And, you know, they've got the full shebang. There's something pretty just humorous about watching them trying to adapt to doing that in <laughs> their living room over a dodgy internet connection and trying to replicate that experience. But it's amazing how it's forcing people to use the technology we do have. And it's kind of bringing that technology, dragging it up to speed. It is going to be interesting to see how that carries on after this is over. Obviously, most people want to go back to the gym. But it feels like we're going to have more options. And that can only be a positive because of how this is forcing areas such as fitness at home to develop but it's definitely still in a teasing phase isn't it and my girlfriend yeah. had this today that I got an email this afternoon from a yoga studio in London that they were doing an online Pilates class and I thought she might quite enjoy that so I forwarded it on to her three o'clock on the dot she was on her mat next door in the living room was ready and raring to go with that now firstly I'm not sure what fitness false advertising is like as a domain of the law but firstly it wasn't exactly a pilates class it was like 15 minutes of planks push-ups and burpees which I'm, <laughs> I'm no like pilates expert far from it but i think isn't quite the classical canon of pilates and then secondly <laughs> at one point during the live stream either the person running the class or one of the viewers or a combination of both clicked the wrong button easy to do when as we're saying the technology isn't quite in the sweet spot yet they clicked the wrong button and ended up like 
live sharing their screen with everybody <laughs> watching. So instead of the instructor, they were watching like a middle-aged man in his boxers, sweating profusely, attempting his burpees in his living room, which is certainly a different kind of daytime TV to what you'd normally get if you were at home in the week. Next up on the London Coronavirus Podcast, we have the section of the show called Coronavirus Confession. This is the part of the podcast where we invite you in to the confession booth to offload your sins. There can be nothing so uh, deep and dark that we can't handle it. So please do come in. Don't be shy. You can use a false name. You can use a false location. We just want you to feel better about your situation. So without further ado, this, uh, this particular contributor, James, does not want to give a name. So just for the sake of consistency and just for the sake of reference points, let's call him William from Wandsworth. And this is William's coronavirus confession. Hi, David. Hi, James. Hope you're both holding up well. Um, I'm going to keep my name off this one, if you don't mind, as it's pretty niche and will probably rumble me. But here is my coronavirus confession. Uh, So late on Sunday night, I was packing up my box of things to work from home. You know, for the next three weeks, three months... As you boys have done a pretty good job at talking about, who really knows at this point? And I did a little recce of the floor I work on before I left. Anyway, knowing that we're going to be out of the office for at least the next six weeks, what I noticed was the amount of discarded office plants that are left on people's desks. Now we're talking premium cacti, bonsai trees, you name it. And I thought to myself, look, these are either going to die here or they're going to come home with me. So I proceeded to box up as many as I could Um and then pretty brazenly walk past security with a chest full of plants and I brought them back to the flat. Do I remember where I gathered them all up from? No. Uh, am I going to take them back when we reopen? Probably not. Uh, but I feel like this was a pretty justified pilfering of people's property, to be honest. Um, and anyway, I'd like to know where you boys stand on this one. Loving the show, by the way. Uh, for me, it's the uplifting daily antidote to the conventional news agenda that I need right now. Peace. I'm going to put it out there, James. We are on day 10 of the podcast, and I think that is my favourite coronavirus confession so far. Because when we kind of thought about this feature, James, that's kind of what we wanted, right? That is a genuine confession. I even felt the shame in William from Wandsworth's voice. It was there, and he really did offload. And I mean, we do not judge. That's been our principle in the coronavirus confession section of this show. James, we do not judge. We listen. However... William did kind of invite us towards the end of that to judge. So, I mean, what do you think, James? Are we going to let him off or is that a fair thing to have to have done? Yeah, it feels like suddenly we're in coronavirus course. Move over, <laughs> Judge Judy. Here's Judge James. Finally gang my wig on here. But, yeah, it, it's a real, like, moral quandary, that, isn't it? The case could be made that William from Wandsworth there is a plant liberator, the kind of Che Guevara of office plants, <laughs> leading them to freedom in their most desperate of times, in that strip-lit shared desk environment. Or you could also make the case that it's just plain old stealing. I think I'm more on the former side. Look, he, as he yep. explained very well, maybe he's lucky that he's so articulate, self-representing there. 
But as he explained very well, the plants would have stayed there. They would have died. It's not like whatever security or whatever is going to be in that building would really have had a chance to look after the plants. So I think we can completely forgive William as, as we can really with all confessors in our booth. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I think that for me, the core thing was that he was saving things, James, right? Yeah. Like this wasn't, a, the fact is those plants would have died and and William was was taking them and, and, and he was saving them. And I like the fact that as he walked past security with loads of bonsai tree and a bonsai. I mean, that's a nice little, you know, that's a nice little artifact to have in your flat or house, I've got to say. So I don't blame him at all for seeing the kind of aesthetic value and having those dotted around his house. And I've just got the idea now of William sat in his flat in Wandsworth, James, just surrounded by cacti and bonsai trees. And suddenly this coronavirus world looks a little bit better. Yeah, it's like a kind of at-home Kew Gardens. I appreciate <laughs> him describing, yeah, instead of like the virtual museums, you've got a virtual greenhouse. I appreciated him describing the premium cacti. Like, mm. clearly he was a connoisseur of a plant pilferer. Like someone like stealing paintings to order. He really knew what he was going for. <laughs> and I also really appreciated this week that plants have clearly been deemed essential items, plants and flowers, because you go to the supermarket and they've stopped stocking anything deemed no longer essential. But their flower supplies seem to be actually overflowing. I, I've never seen such good flower stocking. And this might sound like I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but really, I think that's exactly the kind of little thing that when you go to the shops, and I know we're only meant to go essentially at the moment and to limit those trips, but when you do go on those essential trips, that's exactly the kind of little thing that just being able to treat yourself to, something a little bit indulgent, that you can bring back and is going to be able to brighten up your space is the kind of little thing that the longer this goes on is going to make all the difference. So whoever at the top of the supermarket conference board decided that flowers should be maintained as stock, I applaud that decision. I also had an image that William could potentially, let's say we're locked up for three months, James. He could keep those... Uh, those cacti and the bonsai alive and healthy and then he could surreptitiously deliver them back into the office perhaps before the first day and then everyone would go back and think it was some kind of coronavirus miracle where all their plants were just thriving and had somehow survived these three months so there's a lot to play with there but I think what we've got now James is a benchmark for coronavirus confessions as we say we will not use your name we will not use your location and we will not judge on coronavirus confession corner So now, as we get ever more inventive in our isolation, it's time for the segment of the show where we hear from somebody who, however tough this may feel right now, is still endeavouring to make sure that they're living the quarantine dream. And today, this comes to me from just across the river from where I am now, from my friend Lewis. Here's how he's living the quarantine dream. James and dear fellow London Coronavirus podcast listeners. Um, my name is Lewis and my fiance and I have been living the 
Chrome Dream for almost two weeks now already. Uh, we're both working from home, so um, have split our flats into two offices. She's got the pro setup, uh, second monitor, all the fancy stuff. And I've been relegated to the couch in our living room. Uh, couch and a cof my coffee table as my, as my little office. Um, and yeah, a couple of days in, as you can imagine, it's not the most ergonomically uh, suitable setup. So my back really started hurting. And I thought, wait, wait a second. I, surely I can build a, I can get a standing desk somewhere. Of course, it's sold out everywhere or, you know, also don't really want deliveries coming anymore. Um, so I decided to build my own standing desk. And that's the, the monstrum that you, James, uh, saw on my Instagram feed. So I, um, on our living room table, I've got a stool that we usually sit on for dinner. Um, on top of that, I have a empty wine box. Uh, on top of that is my laptop, so it's perfectly aligned with my eyesight. Um, and then I found an old keyboard I had from back at university um, that I'm propping up with a lot of books to be at exactly the right height, so my elbows are in a 90 degree angle. And my mouse is on top of another staple of books. Um, so my favorites there as well. Um, yeah, and that's how I, I spend most of my day. Yeah, uh, keep strong out there, James. Um, really love what you're doing with the podcast, um, listening to every episode, usually over dinner or in the morning. Um, so yeah, keep, keep spirits high and hopefully we can get out of this quarantine soon. London Coronavirus Podcast Living the Quarantine Well James, I really I really like that for two reasons. First, I love the fact that it was you that saw Lewis's Instagram post, right? And I like the idea that you're now hunting down living the quarantine dream anecdotes from people. You're kind of scouring the social medias and just just sort of picking them out. And I just I love the description. I love the creativity and I love the calm. I, I don't know Lewis personally, but I'm gonna guess Northern Germanic? Northern Germany, maybe? Because it was almost a scando feel to that. Tell me I'm yeah, wrong. No, you've got it in one day. There, there was a yeah? beautiful practicality to that wasn't there. And yeah, I, what I'm enjoying at the moment is that when we started this 10 episodes ago, Dave, and then we got into living the quarantine dream, it was a feature that felt new and kind of would it really be filled. And then I go on my socials and I see people organically doing things which are exactly that. So it's amazing how this is kind of, this whole experience for all of us has taken on a life of its own. And, and that's reflected in a real micro way, even with our features. But yeah, there were a couple of things I loved about that. I loved the practicality just like you. He also... I should add, I mean, he didn't even have time in the segment. We're, we're tight for time always here. We couldn't give him enough time to do full justice to his, his craftsmanship. But he'd also used as part of his construction his Catan and Ticket to Ride boxes. And I like the idea of a very ergonomical stand-up desk, which also, like, when that crumbles... It crumbles because you decide you want board games and wine. So it's like you're either doing very focused work with those things literally propping your work up or you're calling it off work, which I think is good for your routine because you're dismantling your actual desk. 
So that seems very ahead of its time to me. I think we can rate that. I also appreciated the level of chivalry in I've given yeah. my fiance the pro setup and I've taken the improvised couch. I'm sure there are many people around the country who could sympathize with that one way or another. Yeah, I think it almost bleeds into a, a feature about quarren dream sacrifices, doesn't it? Like you've sacrificed your own quarren dream for your girlfriend or boyfriend or flatmates personal quarren dream so yeah there's something to work with there and also Lewis mentioned his bad back right this is becoming a theme James because my sister Sarah yesterday was talking about her bad back so listen at the London Coronavirus Podcast we are here to help so we will maybe get in touch with a chiropractor uh, in the shows to come and, and get some top tips on how to ensure back health and safety over the coming weeks and months on the London Coronavirus Podcast is the segment where we offer up an expert, an expert in the field that will give you some genuinely practical advice and tips on how to survive and thrive in this very, very tricky era. However, we want to level with our audience and we are more than happy, myself, David Windsor and my colleague James Ware, to be honest to our listeners, to our early adopters on the London Coronavirus Podcast. And today, we couldn't conjure an expert. Uh, listen, James has been in charge of recruitment, and let me say he has done an absolute stellar job. I mean, two pods ago, James, you got X Factor star Chico. That is a man with a number one hit single in the UK. Uh, and I love James. You, you, you secured Chico, and he delivered in pod number eight, I think it was. And I love how mm. it just lit a fire under you. Like, after that, James was sending me messages from the management team and the the uh, the agent of Lewis Hamilton, Nigella Lawson, Stephen Fry. I mean, you'd got Chico and you thought, how high can I go? You know, the sky is the limit. Unfortunately, James, on this occasion, we haven't managed to secure today on the London Coronavirus Podcast a world-class expert, but certainly not, James, for lack of trying. Yeah, thanks, Dave. I feel you've done me justice in that particular description of what's been going on here. Behind the scenes, behind the pillow that I'm recording into right now. Because, yeah, I think it's fair to say, and look, it wasn't really the status of Chico. I'd say it was more his positive message. It, it was such an uplifting message. It maybe lifted me a bit too high up. And I... I was suddenly sort of picking our pod guest list like you would be running through the seating list at the Golden Globes. Like that was the kind of level that we were suddenly dealing with, which was met with mixed responses from agents and PR teams around the world as I got picking them emails. But it has been an interesting learning curve and I think my favorite response I've had so far comes actually from across the pond from America and I was thinking of like celebrity chefs we could get on right Mm. so I was like well who would be a good person to give us a couple of minutes of top tips for cooking when you want to liven up your food but you don't have many amazing supplies at home So I was going after some of those. Like you said, Nigella didn't fancy it. Delia Smith, it turns (laughs) turns out, is very hard to track down outside of Norwich. So I was having a real fish around. 
I was speaking to my girlfriend about it earlier, and then she was like, "What well, have you tried Guy Fieri? who is like this absolutely cult chef, for anyone who doesn't know him, he's this cult figure in America who is so cult that he has his own national day. Like they have a national day where people dress up as him and visit the restaurants he owns. He's got like peroxide blonde hair. He actually looks like he went for a particularly extravagant last minute pre-lockdown haircut. He's got that <laughs> level of a lid going on. And he has a bit of a penchant for flare shirts. But anyway, I was like, that sounds like a great suggestion. You know, we're always open to a cult figure mm. here at London Coronavirus Podcast. So I went on his website. There was an email address for his agent. Pinged her a quick email. And then I got this great email back from her after I got on my run this afternoon, just saying, like, it, it was actually really sweet. She said, hi, James, thanks for reaching out. It's nice of you to invite Guy on the show. Well, the pleasure's all ours. He's off the grid at the moment, so he's not able to participate. And I just loved the idea that even as someone with, like, a national network television show, <laughs> even as someone with a national day dedicated to you. I mean, I think that puts you in a certain class of celebrity <laughs> when people are actually demarcating one out of 365 <laughs> days to celebrating your existence. There aren't many who get those. Even at that level, I love that this is a time where Guy Fieri is completely off the grid. For me, that was a real reflection of quite how <laughs> severe this situation is. But as a sort of quite well-known celebrity, you could get away with actually disappearing to the extent that even your agent doesn't know where you are. Yeah, there's, there's almost... There obviously, there's a lot of rules now, James, right? There's more rules than there ever have been before on society and individuals. But it also kind of feels like there's no rules. Like, people can just sort of go off the grid and just run away into the mountains because we're living in such a surreal time. And if your agent can't get hold of you, you know, it, then, uh, there, yeah, very interesting. But listen, James Ware is, is uh, a hell of a recruiter... And no doubt on London Coronavirus Podcast, there's going to be uh, experts, celebrities and guests to come over the coming days. We hope, James. Absolutely. And if anyone has anyone, look, the reason that we're here night after night, Dave, is to try and raise the spirits of people right now. Yeah, it gives us something to do and to focus on, which is really positive for us too. But our main purpose from day dot since we kicked this off has really been to try and you know bring a sense of people being connected right now Definitely. and bring a bit of positivity to people and as part of that if there are any guests that people feel would particularly pick them up right now if there are any maybe more cult figures from i don't know people's childhoods or weird yep. things that they enjoy watching or listening to or whatever that looks like for you we would love to hear who you would most like to hear. Who would be the most reassuring, the most positive voice to you in these troubling times? Let us know. You can find us on Instagram at London CV Podcast. And I will get doing my very best <laughs> to bring you them if they haven't gone off the grid like Guy Fieri. That has also inspired me to wonder... After this is all over, will there be like some record number of like 
missing people cases because if ever you wanted a time to disappear this was your golden window surely like if you're not on your phone or on social media right now people actually can't have a scooby where you are like normally if you want to plan your own disappearance you maybe have a window of what few hours Half a day? I don't know. I've never planned a disappearance, so this is pure speculation. But I'm guessing that, you know, a day would be a very generous window for your own disappearance. Whereas right now, you've got a window of several months, maybe mm. a quarter of a year, in which you can disappear. Now, even if you really, really drag your disappearance, if you can't get enough of a shift on to disappear in three months, then there's not much hope for you pulling it off, is there? <laughs> Absolutely not. And if you do disappear, then please do keep your mobile phone with you at least and listen to us on London Coronavirus Podcast. We might just keep you sane. Next up, we've got the section of the podcast where we get a little update and an insight from around the globe. This is myself and James' social circle, and we just kind of check in at different points around the globe to see how people are feeling, what the atmosphere is like there, uh, and just different stories, really, from around this, this beautiful planet of ours. And today we've got Kate from Copenhagen. And if you just indulge me ever so slightly, James, I lived with Kate in back in, I think it was summer 2015, with a couple of other people in a really big old artist studio right in the heart of Camden for those Londoners amongst you it's just behind the back of Coco and it was just maybe nostalgia's kicking in here mate but it was just this beautiful long sunny London summer that I will remember fondly forever but uh, that's enough of that let's go straight into Kate and an update from Copenhagen hi I'm Kate I'm from Denmark and I live in Copenhagen currently Our government has closed borders, private and public institutions, until the 13th of April, which people don't mind much because our welfare system is strong, supporting both employees and businesses. Hospitals and medical staff seem prepared. More testing is on the way, but for now there have only been 34 deaths out of 1,851 who have been tested positive. Now, obviously, Danes are quite privileged, so they have time to enjoy the small things in life during this crisis. As a collective, we're realizing what social creatures we really are, even though we seem like hermits to the rest of the world that doesn't understand the Nordic mentality. On the streets, people are smiling in solidarity, soaking up the sun rays, enjoying a break from the sometimes soul-crushing routine. Uh, I do acknowledge the fact that parents working from home with small kids are in a pickle, although the kids do seem to enjoy the extra quality time full of walks, puzzles and baking experiments. And yes, the older generation might feel lonely without visitors, but in a recent interview, a man approaching 100 bragged how he daily FaceTimes his family and plays the piano to keep his mind busy in a lockdown that reminds him of his youth shortly after World War II. So we're keeping busy and keeping our hopes high. Well, James, that was one of my favourite global updates as well, I've got to say. I love, um, I just love that 
that, that great self-awareness of the fact that, listen, Denmark is a rich country, right? And so they can probably afford to get mm. through this uh, situation. And I hope Kate doesn't mind me saying this, but I actually spoke to her a little bit about how that, that kind of Danish smugness is always just a little bit under the surface. But Kate did a great job of explaining the situation uh, in Denmark. And I thought it was a very, that was a really honest account of the situation. And it was filled with a kind of mellow positivity. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I appreciated your national reflection being our welfare is strong. Yeah. That felt a little bit like like great self-awareness of the situation there. But also I thought it was like kind of playground confidence. That. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got a strong welfare game to the other countries. But yeah, it not only keeping us up to speed with the situations on the ground in other places and giving us a bit of a sense of this around the world because they're saying that now over a quarter of the world's population is in lockdown incredible as we record this which is pretty mind-boggling statistics so it's it's great to get some reminders of what that looks like on a smaller scale but i think it is really interesting how one way or another a country's culture and the just general way of being in that country its whole setup sort of seems to come across in the situation one way or another. Like, even if countries are in similar situations in their response to this, you get a little sense of that spirit and that mindset filtering into it, don't you, from wherever we get these notes from. Yeah, and I think we've spoken uh, probably more off-pod than on-pod about how these weeks and months kind of define a lot of people as individuals. It shows who people really are, I think, in terms of kindness and positivity and a lot of other things. And, and that's the same with countries, I think, as well. You really get to see what your country's like. And, and by and large, James, we're lucky, um, you know, comparatively to the rest of the world. Britain's a, a pretty fair country-ish and it will, uh, you know, it, it tries to help people out. I mean, some people might disagree with that more than others. And uh, but, but Scandinavia is so well known for looking after its citizens, right? And honestly, just Kate saying that and her calm and her faith in her country to look after everyone, it made me think after all this is over, mate, I want to live in Scandinavia. So it's, it's, uh, I'm sure at the end of all this, people will learn a lot about themselves and probably quite a lot about their own country and how much their country, when push comes to shove, will look after them and how everyone can stick together or, or not in some cases. So, yeah, I, I think... Um, you know, after all this is is done and dusted, if it ever is, then there might be a few people deciding to to either stick or twist in terms of the country that they live in. So now as we power towards the end of the pod, like a runner doing their final park lap on their one allocated <laughs> lap of the park, which was me today. It's time for coronavirus kindness, where we bring a kind of warm duvet of a story for you to pull over yourself at this stage of the podcast. And today, our coronavirus kindness comes from about an hour outside London, from Oxfordshire where a mystery man has arranged to buy his entire village fish and chips in a bid to bring the community together during the coronavirus lockdown. And he's doing this through a local pub called the Fox Inn. And the owner of the pub said that apparently this guy's motivations were to show how important pubs are to village life 
as well as to bring the community together. And this person who has stepped up is a pretty generous sponsor. He's prepared to fund once a week a takeaway for every single member of a village. And he said he'd like to do it for a minimum of 12 weeks, depending how it goes. So he's in a bit of a trial phase (laughs) of the sponsored fish and chip scheme here. But depending on how it goes, once he's got a bit of feedback back, fishy feedback, he may apparently take it up to two per person per week and carry it on longer if required. But what I really enjoyed about this story, other than like the community feel of it, the fact it's also helping out a local pub as well, a business that's really clearly been hit hard by this. But I really like that this mystery person apparently said that he didn't want to be the focus of attention for this. He just wants to do something to help the community because he's fortunate to be in a position to do that. And we've had some great stories on coronavirus kindness from companies, from brands who are doing some great and genuinely really inspiring things. But obviously there's a side to that, which, yeah, is a little bit of PR for them, isn't it? Mm. Even, Even if they are really like putting their money where their mouth is with what they're doing. And so this one particularly spoke to me today with the fact that somebody's wanting to do this on a really local level and just purely for the feeling of it and what they can achieve through it rather than any kind of recognition or any kind of sort of payback from doing this. Yeah, I I think, James, that it's important to remember that pub means public house, right? And Mm. it's very easy to kind of dismiss dismiss the closure of all the pubs as oh you know we can close the pubs of course we can and yeah it's the absolute right thing to do at this moment but it's not you know it is it is a meeting point especially in in smaller villages i think around the united kingdom those smaller pubs really do act as a focal point for the community and i don't think that's an exaggeration to say that so i i was really touched by that coronavirus kindness and i think kindness where you genuinely don't expect anything back in return and you don't even want your name associated with it has got to be the ultimate kindness uh yeah i I really like that i thought it was very good and before we wrap coronavirus kindness for today we've got a bit of a coronavirus kindness rollover because i couldn't not mention the clap for our carers which has just taken place people had set eight o'clock tonight as the time where everyone around the nation would applaud for a minute to show our thanks and appreciation to everyone working on the front line of this in the NHS. And it actually was really special. People leaning out their windows, a few people in the street keeping their social distance, heard of fireworks in other places too. But an appropriate, if a very, very tiny tribute to the people who are really making the biggest sacrifice and having the toughest time right now. So here's a little bit of it for those of you who missed that.
London Coronavirus Podcast every single episode with a quote of the day. And today we were talking a little bit about the new normal and the fact that nobody really knows any kind of time frame for this uh, very, very, very odd world that we live in. So my quote of the day today is from Mad Men. You ever watch that, James? Mad Men? Maybe like 25 minutes cumulatively, Dave. Does okay, that count? So, okay, so you're probably not going to remember this quote, but the uh, the protagonist, the main star is, is a man called Don Draper. And uh, he is a flawed character. But this quote, I think, hopefully offers a little bit of something and offers a little bit of help. It is this. Change is neither good or bad. It simply is. 